0: The Caps On Podcast, coming to you from the Capitol,
1: with your hosts,
0: Nick Tobias, Tyler Bloomstick, and Michael Britton.
1: Welcome back to the Caps On Podcast. We have a very special UFC 249 preview for you guys. Uh, It's coming up this Saturday on May 9th in Jacksonville, Florida, at the ViStar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, home of... You might not know them, but they, this is the home of the <laughs> Jacksonville Sharks of the National Arena Football League, the Jacksonville Giants of the American Basketball Association, and the Jacksonville Icemen of the ECHL. What the um, hell? Yeah, so it's a very, very storied uh, venue we got going on here. Um, <laughs> oh my it's, like right, it's right up there with ADA Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so right. This is a must-see event with no fans. How you guys doing?
0: All right. I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm doing all right. You know, it's Wednesday night, 8.53 at night. I'm just chilling on my couch. Uh, another day in quarantine, bored, have nothing to do. Um, you know, can't wait to get out there and uh, have a life again.
1: I'm ready to see, see some bloodshed. Yeah, I mean, th- we, we really need some action here. Everybody's kind of looking for some victory, looking for the thrill and i feel like the ufc is like the perfect first event back and i know what you're gonna say what are you gonna KBO say ABO on espn yeah you haven't watching Action it time.
0: you know I the campaign was tough i mean i can't really stay up until 5 30 a.m to see them play baseball
2: but, you're missing you know, some bat flips yeah I'm, they pimp the they
0: pimp home runs stick would you say the the starting pitcher topped out at yesterday
1: 87 it's action actually gas
0: gas i remember <laughs> when i was in what when we were i was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school and they had that carnival across the street and they have that uh, uh um the pitch speed counter and i threw and i threw 81 miles an hour crow hopping and i threw my arm out so these guys are throwing 87 so that's what it's like and that's terrible Pretty much. you might be in line for a kbo contract it uh i might have to call him up yeah you, but I do not speak
1: Korean. No, you don't. But you don't we have, have some to. Americans over there. You don't have to. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> we're talking about the UFC, um, 249. We're going to walk you through the early prelims, of the prelims, and then onto the main card. Um, we have a lot of great fights. I mean, we, who, Dana White likes to give out his fight of the night bonuses at the end of the night, and I truly have. I can't even make really a prediction on on who's going to get this, but. Let's jump right into this. Um, we're going to start out with the first fight of the night uh, Ryan Superman Span. He's a, four t- a minus 410 favorite against uh, Smiling Sam Alvey, who is priced in at plus 320. Uh, Span comes in here at 18 and 5, while Alvey is 33 and 12. So both two really experienced fighters. Um, Span pretty much has the height advantage. Uh, he's 6'5 to Alvey's 6'2. Uh, he's got a almost a four inch extra reach on him. Um, same thing with a leg reach. But I, I don't know. This is just this is going to be a really slow, methodical fight. Um, Sam Sam Alvey really knows how to take punches, and Ryan Span likes to move forward. Um, I, I can see this fight kind of playing out. Um, Span really moving on the attack, and and Sam Alvey kind of hitting him with the counters a little bit here and there. But I don't know, Nick. What, what do you got on this one? Well, clearly Alvey has the experience advantage against Span. Um,
0: the only thing is Alvey hasn't one, uh, hasn't had a victory since February, 2018. Um, that's the only thing that makes me a little nervous about Ryan Superman span in this, in this matchup against smile and Sam Avi or Alvi. I apologize. Um, but Alvi is also on a three fight losing streak. So I'm not really too sure what to think about here. Alvi's is a brawler. He likes to throw punches. He likes to go at it. Um, you know, I, I do think that this match is going to be one on the ground. It's going to be a game or, or, or I'm sorry, a match of submissions, a match of, Uh, you know taking people down and seeing who can win um you know personally i do think you know span's gonna end up winning this game but i do think Alvy has the value of plus 320 i mean at plus 320 how do you how do you not throw you
1: know ten dollars on that easily you know yeah i I mean in in something i mean a fight such as this where i I personally think this is going to end up coming down to a decision um it's going to be really slow like i mentioned before so I mean, somebody can get caught. I mean, that's the beauty of the UFC. Like, you never know. Um, All these guys are pretty much capable of having knockout power, even down at the featherweight level. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, But these guys are 200-pounders. I mean, they have the power to to do this. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I I wouldn't touch this fight. This would. I mean, a a term I like to throw around is dogger pass, um, especially in the UFC where, I mean, the odds are so lopsided to Mm -hmm. the point where, I mean – these are two guys going right back at each other and trying to knock each other out. They're both physical specimens with the ability to end the fight and knock the lights out with one punch. So, Dogger Pass is kind of a mentality where. If you don't have value on the favorite and the underdog stands a chance, it's either you throw a little bit on the dog or you pass altogether. And that's kind of my stance on this one. I mean, I
0: think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're going to throw money on this match, why would you not throw money on Alvy? Why? I mean, like at plus 320 with the experience, what he's got behind him, I know he doesn't have um, you know, the height or the reach or anything like that behind him, um, but at plus 320, you know, how could you not be intrigued by that number? Exactly.
2: I think uh, I think if you want to go with Span, I think you're going to have to to look at, you know, methods of victory. I, I know Nick, you mentioned that you think it's going to end in a submission. I think one of these guys are going to get a, uh, are going to get knocked out. I don't think it's going to go to the distance. Um, Span at minus four ten. There's not much value there, but you can get Ryan Span by KO or TKO on Fanduel at plus one seventy five. I think I, I I think I would take that Span being the heavy favorite and. Both these guys are throwing punches. I'll take the heavy, the uh, the heavy favorite knocking a dude out and try to make a quick buck on it.
1: Yeah. So to that point, I mean, Ryan Spann has won sixty five percent of his fights by submission, twenty four percent by knockout. But then, so I mean, he, he's more apt to, to end the fight um, on the ground grappling. But Sam Alvey is an extremely experienced fighter with a great takedown defense. He's got eighty two percent takedown defense. Um, to Sam out Al- or to Ryan Span's fifty percent takedown accuracy, so this is going to be weird. It's going to be, it's pretty much two opposite fighters who can defend the other person's um, more favorable attack, and, and and I don't know. It's going to be interesting, and then that's going to be the case with a lot of these fights tonight. And and I and I think this, Saturday, is, this
0: whole Span Alvey you know fight, and especially because it's pre what is this pre prelims?
1: Yeah, this is early prelims.
0: Yeah, I mean it's early prelims. This is, I mean. I don't know if you said before, but this card is stacked. I mean, this is this is a fight that you could easily see in the prelims. Um, you know, not the early prelims, and and this is something that I think a lot of people are going to want to watch. I mean, it might be a little bit slow, but I think it's going to be a good match towards the end.
1: Exactly. All right. Um, let's move on. We got Bryce Thug Thug Nasty Mitchell. Um, he's going to come in at the favorite here at minus one fifty eight. You have to say that um, name with more emphasis. You can't. Ju- you can't just <laughs> Bryce, say Bryce. Doug nasty Mitchell. Bryce. Um, Doug nasty Mitchell. So nasty. Um, against Charles uh, Boston Strong Rosa at um, plus one thirty four. Um, both of these guys are kind of untested. I mean, they, they've they've been tested, but they're kind of sitting at the lower ends of the ranks here. I mean, they're all, both unranked at this point. But they're looking to break into the ranked scene and actually make a splash in the UFC. Here, they're promising fighters. Uh, Mitchell comes in at 12 and one, and Rosa with a professional record of 11 and three. They're very, very similar on physicals. Um, Mitchell has the slight edge with an inch in height, reach, and leg reach. Um, But he's a guy that likes to get you on the ground. I mean, this whole—I mean, both of these guys actually. I mean, they're gonna. This is gonna be a big grappling match with. A lot of submission attempts, a lot mm-hmm. of submission defenses, but I mean, this might be the most boring fight. Oh, I mean, unless you're into submissions, but no, I mean, I, I completely I agree. Like to a full out, whole out brawl here. I
0: completely agree. This is going to be a game of grappling and trying to get people to the ground. Um, of Mitchell's twelve uh, victories, nine have been by submission, and zero have been by knockout. Um and for the opposite side with Rosa, eight have been by submissions and three have been by knockouts. So clearly this game is gonna uh, this match is gonna be one on the ground, is gonna be one on the grappling, trying to tap people out. Um and I agree, I think it's gonna be a very boring matchup where someone's you know, people are gonna lose interest. You're just gonna have it on the background, you're gonna be looking at your phone. Um I mean, I, I'm not really too sure what to expect here. Uh, you know, Mitchell's the younger the younger guy here. He you know, he might be a little bit more hungrier. Um, so that could be the downfall when it comes down to it. Um, you know, when it comes to the Lions with one fifty 150, minus one fifty eight and plus thirty four, it's kind of you know one side or the other. What do you? I don't know what I'm thinking here. I'm kind of on the fence. Um, You know, even though Mitchell's got the advantage in the tail of the tape, um, I mean, I'm thinking Rosa at plus one thirty four strictly probably because of the value, um, but I can see Mitchell taking this too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and to that point, I, I so. With Bryce Mitchell, he he's never knocked a guy out, um, in, in his in, in the UFC so far. So if he can't end this fight with a submission, which, I mean, Rosa is great at defending the takedown. He defends fifty percent of them. Um, he's also a grappler himself, so he knows how to defend off his back and um on the canvas. But he, I mean, if it goes to the judges' scorecards, I, Rosa definitely has the the striking advantage here and. We all know how UFC judges can be um, very frustrating, and sometimes they get it wrong. I mean, most of the time they get it right, but there are controversial decisions every single event. So you never want it to get there. But if if that's the case, then I I don't hate putting money on the underdog here. How are these guys trading with all that's going on? Are they like individual? I mean, this these were so these are all pretty much fights with the exception of a couple where they they were planned to fight these people prior to the whole coronavirus i mean the whole pandemic and mm-hmm. they went through a whole fight camp and the event the original UFC 249 got canceled or whenever they had to fight it might not have been on the original UFC 249 card mm-hmm. but they've been going through a full camp but ever since this i mean it's all structured everything's diet based everything is training based everything has a time frame and it's really controlling a body and even with a weight cut like it's tough because you really need to time it correctly so i'm i'm very interested to see how so not even these guys but all the fighters have
2: the reason i ask that is because do you think there's some value in in a in a guy like uh charles Rosa, who's been around a bit longer who's been you know fighting for a bit longer mitchell you know he said was eight years younger him being maybe more aggressive might be his downfall um do you think that like plays into it where these guys are just anxious? Maybe the younger guys are just more anxious to get, you know, going fast.
0: I mean, I definitely think that being younger and being hungrier, especially in the UFC is, is, could be a downfall. I mean, you, you, maybe you reach for a leg and you overreach and you and you know, you get thrown down and you're done. Right. Sure. Um, especially after being, you know, quarantined and now you're really itching to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that adds on top of the younger hunger level. Um, you know, that that Bryce Mitchell has. Um, so I do think the younger factor does play even more of a role, you know, into into this match, especially because of the corona and you're being held back and you haven't been, you know, being able to get out of the house. Um,
1: I don't know. What do you think, Stick? I mean, especially in a, a submission-heavy fight like this one, stamina is going to hold a big piece of, I mean, the outcome of this fight because... Like Mano said, the training aspect has been really altered um, over the past couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious how this fight is going to go, but it, it's definitely going to be fought pretty much on the mat. Um, I'm I'm going to stay away from this just because I don't really know. I, I can't pick a clear winner out of this, especially in submissions. And I, I I admittedly am not very well. I'm not very well versed in in submissions and submission defenses. I mean my extent of fighting experiences wrestling up until seventh grade. So I mean yeah I mean was like that I, I can pick out but, but I mean I, I it, have it's, no it's
0: I have no wrestling experience. Um no takedown experience, nothing like that. I've I watched my brother uh do karate what back in like third grade. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's probably that's probably about all the experience that I have. I don't think that's comparable. It's definitely not comparable. <laughs> um but I mean, I'm here to gamble, and uh, if I'm putting my money on this, I'm putting on I'm putting on Charles Rosa plus 134. Um, I like his ability um, to take down and get to the get to the ground and win by submission. Um, I do think the veteran takes the W here, um, and I, I I I like him a
1: lot here. All right, um, moving on, we have Vicente Luque versus Nico Price, and I really 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 like this fight. Nico Price has a shot here. And Vicente Luque is the rightful favorite. Um, he has an edge on pretty much every, I mean, he, he's the smaller guy, but he has the edge. I mean, technically like he, he comes into this fight at 17, seven and one uh, Nico price at 13 and three. Like I said, Luque is the smaller guy, but I think that he has the edge. I mean, in the striking, he has the edge on the mat, but the thing where he kind of lacks against Nico price is the power but he he's going to be able to put price in a situation where he doesn't want to be and he's going to be able to control the fight um and and he hasn't uh, nico price hasn't been to a decision yet um, every single fight he's been a part of whether he's won or lost has ended prior to the third round um he's a first or second round fighter so this is going to be action-packed um yeah i mean Nick, what what's the uh what's the tale of tape on these guys?
0: Well, this is the second meeting between Luke a. and Price. Um, the first meeting ended in Price losing by submission in two rounds. Um, since then, Price has racked up five wins, uh, and Luke has racked up, and Luke has actually won five straight wins. So, this is really going to be, um, you know, a heavyweight matchup. They're both going to be going at each other. I do think Price is going to be coming at him hard right out of the gate. The guy's a psychopath. Um, He's
1: he is. he is absolutely insane. The guy is ripped. Like, you listen. Expect t- t- to be fair, to... both
0: of these. Listen, everybody's ripped. I mean, let's be that's fair. What I'm saying. I mean, everyone's ripped. I'm sitting here on my couch and I got a nice belly, and everybody else here is ripped. So, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, in general, though, I I mean, I, I read this as a statistic, you know, on the internet. But the winner of the first fight wins the rematch six out of ten times. I mean, only. I mean, that's only sixty percent. That still gives a forty percent chance to price. Um, but I do think, you know, with, with all the, with all the stuff that Luke's got going for him, I do think Luke comes out. Uh, I think he wins by decision. I think this goes the whole distance. It's going to be a back and forth fight the whole time, exchanging blows, exchanging uh, exchanging grapples.
1: Um, but I do think Luke comes out at the end of the, at the end of the day. Yeah. So Vicente Luca has never been finished. Um, but he has the ability to finish. Um, mm-hmm. absolutely. He's only been submitted twice in his
0: career and he's never been submitted in the USC. Uh, Like he's, he's a monster. I mean, he's, he's, he's a monster.
1: The thing is he's got the chin of of a maniac and Mm -hmm. never being finished and being a versatile fighter, I think is good against a guy like price because he can be patient and he can just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Um, but I mean, if this game, if this
0: game comes down, I'm not sorry. If this match comes down to punches and strikes, um, Nico Price only lands around thirty two percent of punches, and Vasante Luke um, lands around fifty three percent of punches. So clearly, if it gets to even that point, Vasante Luke has has the uh, has the upper hand. It's a lot of punches. It's a lot of punches. I mean, listen, dude,
2: swinging I'm, and hitting you every other time. That yeah, <laughs> no, <nah>, I'm, <taking, laughs> I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm yeah, just like that. I'm taking Vicente Luke yeah, uh, I, minus two seventy. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I mean, even though
0: he's a heavy favorite, um, I like him there if you are going to take the straight up. I do think this is going to go the distance. So, if you want to throw some money on, if the round is going to go the distance, I think this is this is a good one to throw it down on.
2: You got is two heavy ended? favorites oh, here okay. on the early prelims. Why not? Why not Parlay Spin and uh, and Luke?
1: Mm, that's not a bad deal. So, um, moving on, we have uh, Jakar Souza versus um, Uriah Hall. Um, this is, I believe this is the beginning of the prelims, no? Yes. It is? Okay, cool. Oh, his nickname is Jakarle. J-j-jakar. Jakar. Sousa. Jakar Suza. Um, Jakar. Guy is a maniac. All of these guys are maniacs. I mean, I, look, I, I don't know. I'm scared of all these guys. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they're all going to kick my ass. Souza is is a very experienced fighter. He comes in at 26 and eight while, while Uriah Hall is at 16 and nine, but he kind of had a slower start to his career. Um, he you never know what you're gonna get with this guy, um, but he he's picked it up as of late and he's earned himself a shot to to fight Jakacqua Souza um, and, and really prove himself and, and make a name. He's got the size advantage. he's got the re- um, or Uriah Hall has the reach advantage. And the leg reach advantage, so I mean he's going to want to keep his distance here and really feel him out. But I think once he gets figured out himself, uh, I mean it could it could go south quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean you you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about your Hall being a you know he's a wild card. You don't know you don't know what you're going to get with him. Um, you know we've seen him be a knockout fighter. We've seen him kind of sit back and be reserved and get his ass kicked. Um. But you know he did enough in the past two fights to earn him a two a two fight win streak, um, and Uriah Hall seventy percent seventy three percent of his wins have been by knockout. Uh, Souza is forty years old though, you know, he's clearly uh, you know on his on the downfall. Um, his prime is definitely past him. Um, but you, this game, uh, I'm sorry, this match personally, I want to stay away from strictly because I don't know what I'm going to get out of Uriah Hall. Um, if I knew what I was going to get out of Uriah Hall, I'd feel more comfortable taking him. Um, you know, with his knockout power, with the strikes that he can, you know, put, I would feel better taking him. But I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Um, so this is something that I'd,
1: I honestly feel comfortable staying away from. Yeah, I mean, at plus one sixteen, I, uh, I mean, I would person, I'm personally going to take Uriah Hall here because he's going to put the pressure on. The only way I could really see him kind of getting absolutely demolished in this fight would be if he pushes forward and gets caught on the counter. Um, he's fought um, Robert Whittaker. He's fought Kelvin Gaslam and Paulo Costa um, and hasn't fared well against any of them. Obviously um, those guys are maniacs, but I mean, he, this is a winnable fight for him and he, he's a heavy hitter, but if he catches Suze, I mean, he can, the lights will gonna, they're going to go out. I mean, Oh,
0: absolutely. And, I mean, you figure he has, I, I don't know if you did the tail of the tape, but he already, he he has, plus seven and a half inches on the reach plus two inches on the leg reach. I mean, he's clearly, he clearly has the advantage when it comes to that. And he clearly has the knockout power. Um, and all it takes is a couple shots to the head and
1: bam, you know, shoes is done. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like the dog on this one. I yeah, mean, I do.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: How do you get the okay. nickname prime time? I feel like every, I feel like every sport has a, has a prime time. <laughs> Yeah, they gotta be right. There's gotta be a prime You, gotta, time. you gotta put on a show, man. You gotta. Put yeah, on how a are show. you? How are you nicknamed Prime Time when you're the first dude on the prelims? I don't know, man. Well, you know, I what? guess he's that's good, prime. That's fucking. That's up. excuse me. That's friggin' prime. Uh, <laughs> ESPN Plus. <laughs> I mean he's that's gonna have to. That's not prime not time out. for anything. That's like that's that's like seven thirty when you're eating dinner and you're. I, I guess that is prime time. All right, I'm I'm taking your eye hole.
0: Yeah, I think Uriah Hall's a good there. Um, I want to see what his what the odds are for him to knock out because I think that's really, let's see, method of victory. All right, Uriah Hall by a a KO is plus 320. I mean, 320.
1: that's... I mean, that's good value. I mean, if, if he... I don't think this is going to go the distance. I mean, somebody is going... If Souza wins, it's going to be, I mean, by fighting a methodical fight throughout and, and leaving it in the hands of the judges. But... I mean, and he also has the ability to submit. I mean, he's an experienced guy, but, I mean, let's move on. I mean, we're beating the yeah. dead horse here. So, we have the only um, female fight on the card mm. or women's fight, um, We have Carla, the cookie monster, Esparza versus um, Excuse Karate me? Hottie, Michelle Waters. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Asparza as comes into this fight at fifteen and six and Michelle Watterson at seventeen and six. Um they're pretty much very physically similar. Waterson has a two inch um height advantage, Asparza has the one inch reach advantage, and Watterson's legs are a little bit longer. Um excuse me, voice crack there, by <laughs> half an inch. So the cookie monster. The yeah, Cookie I mean, it, Yeah, she's she's taking cookies shit, in the in the Octagon. I'm still baby. caught up on that. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know. I mean, she's a great fighter, but I I did not know that her nickname was the Cookie Monster. Um, I, this match
0: is tough. I mean, strictly, I mean, it, it it's always tough to me for, uh, I guess to really, especially since there's one match and it's for the women is is it going to go the
1: distance? Is someone going to get knocked out? Um, most likely going to go the distance. It's but most, most likely
0: the- going to go the distance. Um, personally, I mean, it's the only women card, uh, the only women fight on this card. I think they're going to be throwing haymakers, and I think there's going to be a knockout. Um, I think Esperanza wins, and I think Esparza throws a knockout, and I think she throws a haymaker, and I think that's what I'm going with. That's that's it. That's my analysis is Esparza with a haymaker, and they wins by a knockout.
1: I disagree with you. I think Michelle Watterson, as the plus plus. 136 dog is going to come in here, and she's going to get it. She's a very, very well-rounded fighter. I feel like she hasn't fought in a while. um, But, I mean, look, she's aggressive. She's very well-rounded. She's really, really experienced on the ground and in submissions. Um, So if she can catch Esparza, which, I mean, like you said, in, in women's fights, you don't see much knockout power, but both of these people have it. I mean, yeah. they, they both have – they both possess – Heavy enough hands to, to, to put the lights out on somebody. But, uh, look, most likely this is going to end by submission or, or go to the judge's scorecard. So.
0: Yeah, hopefully they they throw some haymakers, make it interesting. That's that's all I'm
2: sitting here hoping for. Esparza right. once owned a pair of pigs named Sonic and Lucy. <laughs> if, if that sways any... Uh... Listen, her name is
0: the Cookie Monster. She's going to take the cookies and knock her out
2: uh she I, I was curious so i googled why she has this nickname it's because uh her former trainer saw that she was sneaking some treats into the gym years ago and dubbed her cookie monster it is very <laughs> underwhelming i was not expecting that <laughs>
1: um oh man but, uh, i'm g- i'm gonna take esparza here i'm gonna take the favorite <laughs> look with me putting my money on on watterson i hope esparza is sneaking multiple cookies into her camp and and trying to Trying to, I mean, I I mean, does that here. does I it play into it? Esparza
2: it. you know, Asparza has been home. She's been quarantining. Probably, eating Um cookies. She's probably been eating cookies. Is she going to show up a little bit out of shape? That's you know something something to
1: watch here. It is something to watch. Maybe,
2: here. probably but
1: not.
0: This is great. <laughs> Nick, Nick. I want you to announce the next match because he has the best. This is my favorite nickname of all time. Go ahead.
1: All right. So moving on, we have. Alexei Olenek, the boa concierge. Oh my, I love
0: um, that, dude. I love that.
1: Sorry, go ahead. He,
2: Without he, even looking at our notes here, I'm going to guess that he's a submission specialist of some sort.
1: That's a good so, guess. It is a good guess. Um, good he, both hard. of these guys are very, I mean, well, it's he, Alexi, Who's Alex, the other one? Fabrizio Werdum. Um, Fabrizio. Yeah, he's the minus 330 favorite. He actually hasn't fought in a while. He ran in with, I mean, steroid issues back or – was it steroids, Nick?
0: It was steroids. He he had a he got tested positive for steroids, and that's why he's been out of the league for two years. Don't they um, all? The UFC kicked him out for two years, and this is this is his first match coming back since
1: uh, being kicked out from steroids. Both of these guys are forty-two years old. Um, I feel like that's very important to note here. Um, when Nick and I were talking before we started recording this, um, he was asking about Olenek, and I, I the um, initial thought was this guy has not stopped fighting for like the longest time and he's 58-13-1. That is a just crazy an absolute, amount of he's an absolute for anybody. machine,
0: an absolute machine. An absolute machine. Like I can't believe he's I mean 58 victories like on top of, you know, 71 or 72 cuz he's 58-13-1, 72
1: matches. Wow. It's not necessarily in the UFC, but just in general First, professional, professional fights as a whole that is a lot of wear and tear on your body and this guy is still kicking mm-hmm. And he's good too he's really really good um but that's probably why he's, he's only... the
0: dog that's probably why he's the plus 260 dog here because he he does have that wear and tear on his
1: joints exactly i mean who knows if wearham is going to come into this in in shape i'm always wary of taking a minus 330 favorite coming off a two-year layoff especially against a guy who if Olenek can get the takedown that he's looking for and get multiple takedowns, which he's going to keep looking for, he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep trying to go for the legs. Mm-hmm. He ta- he gets an average of almost three takedowns every 15 minutes. Um, but the accuracy is only, at, I mean, a little bit under 40%. So that if he only gets three and his accuracy is at 40%, let me do some quick math here. Um, let's see three four, i don't know what he's gonna shoot about 10 times a fight like he's going like he's he's gonna put the pressure on and and if he gets word him on the ground on the canvas he's he's gonna have a great great shot at um at, at submitting him so yeah i mean like I, I don't know as long as he doesn't get knocked out which he's only been knocked out three times like i said I mean, he's got a great shot to win this at plus two sixty.
0: I mean, absolutely. The, the whole two year drought. I mean, no matter what sport you're playing in, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, being out of the sport two years and you know jumping back into it, clearly there's going to be a gap. Um, and you know the level of competition that you're playing and where you're at. Um, so I do think that you know Olenek has the upper hand. Plus two sixty, I think, is great value for an underdog. Um, I mean, if you're going to throw money on it why not throw money on on the dog here?
1: Look, I don't even think this is, like, a long shot, like, throw your money on it kind of thing. Like, Olenek has, like, a very realistic shot at winning this. Um, absolutely.
0: I, I, he absolutely does. Um, I mean, it's just crazy that both of these guys are 42 years old and they're still
1: in the octagon fighting. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, his his chin has to be a little suspect at this point. Um, But a, as long as he can keep himself safe from Wordham's, like, Strike mm-hmm. attack. I'm pretty sure he's going to take this fight. Like, uh-huh. it, I feel crazy just being this confident in a plus two sixty dog, but I—I I mean, I am. That's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if out of the out of all the dogs that we've talked about, um, but, you know, him, Uriah Hall, I do think that this plus two sixty um, for Olynyk
1: is the the most valuable pick right here. Yeah, I would have to agree. Moving on, we have. A fight that arguably should not be the prelim headliner in uh, Showtime: Anthony Pettis versus um, Cowboy Cerrone. I love this fight for oh a lot of reasons. Oh my god, dude!
0: Cowboy Cerrone at plus one twenty-two. Give me that, please. Cowboy
1: loves to fight. Um, his his fiftieth fight was his last um, against Conor McGregor. Which, I mean, as much as I love Cerrone and he's the biggest likable guy in the UFC. He was embarrassed. I mean, he took the second... I mean, right at the start of the fight, he started taking those brutal shoulders from McGregor. Um, kind of just knocked him completely out of it. Uh, and, um, I, like, me- I remember that watching
0: day. that. I remember watching that. I think we were by you, Stick, and we were watching that. And mm-hmm. I hate, I hated watching that with McGregor just throwing shoulders. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I want to see somebody get punched in the face. And I, I do I- think... I Like, I know we talked a little bit about before... Uh, you know, before we started the podcast, right, we think Cerrone is going to be coming out with a head full of steam and just going to be throwing haymakers the whole time.
1: Well, well, Cerrone is the UFC leader in head kick knockouts, and I think this is going to be the fight where he just he goes back to it. I mean, I think he's going to want to end this fight with a head kick. Um, he's getting towards the end of his career, and he's going to need another signature win. I don't know how many more top-level fighters he's going to face. Um I mean, before he ultimately retires from the sport. Um, so he's going to want to get a signature win here. He is the dog at plus 122. Um, Showtime Pettis is at minus 144. Cerrone has has the edge, size, everything. He's got the leg reach, and he's got that secret, um, that, that head kick knockout power. So, yeah, I'm, that's how I see this fight ending every time I envision it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bank on that. I'm going to take Cerrone. I feel like you can't not.
2: These guys fought back in twenty thirteen. Pettis won with a first round knockout. If that yeah, means anything to you, I, I, I
0: did see that. Um, that's that's the thing. Was that twenty thirteen? that seven years later. Obviously, both of these these guys are uh, weathered, and you know have been through their fair share of of matches. And I do think that you know the whole McGregor Cerrone fight is sitting in the back of his head this whole time. He got, I mean, he didn't get embarrassed on public television, but he kind of did. Um, I mean, that was a terrible way to lose is just getting shoulder, taking a right shoulder to the mouth the whole time. Um, I think he comes out and I think he's pissed off and he's, he is on the downfall and I do think he wants to go out in a high note. So I do think he comes out and beats the crap out of Pettis.
1: Yeah. I mean, another thing with Cowboy, he, he has made a career off of just getting back in the ring over and over again and just continuing to fight. And with this being a short notice fight, I think that plays to his strength. whole lot so moving on we're gonna go on to the main card here um just a quick little plug i did i did write a blog if you prefer um getting your information and you want to see everything in front of you i wrote a blog previewing the main card it's on our website at capsonsports.com um it'll pretty much give you everything we're about to talk about here but you'll have it in front of you when you're referencing it for um when you're placing your bets for saturday um, so the fight that I think should have been switched with the Cerrone and Pettis fight... Yeah, I completely is,
0: agree with that. I, oh, go ahead. I completely agree with that.
1: It's the Greg Hardy versus uh, Jorgen De Castro fight. Um, it's a heavyweight bout. Um, Greg Hardy, former Dallas Cowboy defensive end, had a bunch of domestic violence issues um, and ultimately decided <laughs> to switch career paths. And what a terrible guy. I mean, look, I will be the first person to say, I mean, I I'm, I should not be talking crap about any of these guys because if they ever heard it and wanted to do something about it, I'd be absolutely <laughs> screwed. Especially Greg Hardy. I, I just don't like this guy as a fighter. I don't like him as a person. Like, I, I just, I think he's very raw, which I mean, is pretty like indisputable. You can't like, he is a raw fighter. He's got knockout power. He's, he's a big heavyweight guy, but that's pretty much all he has going for him. Um, against, but he, he, and he hasn't really much top level competition. Like he took a short notice fight against um I believe it was Alexander Volkov, his last fight out, and he ended up losing a decision. But he's running into an experienced mixed martial artist in Jorgen, the Mad Titan castro Um Hardy holds the um he holds the physical edge here um by four inches. His reach is uh he's got a six inch advantage, um four inches on the leg reach here. But I, I just think his fight IQ is going to be the reason that he loses this fight. I think Castro is just amazing on the counter. Like the guy, like Hardy's going to be putting the pressure on here, but I just feel like he's going to get way too aggressive. He has a main card fight. Um, I just think it's going to get to his head and I think it's going to cost him because DeCastro is just way too smart.
0: I mean, my the way I look at this fight, um, there's only really one, one way I'm looking at it and is that it's not going to go the distance. I mean, these are two guys that Just like to throw punches. I mean, this isn't going to get out of the
1: first round. It's
0: not going to get out of the first, it's not going to go more than two or three rounds. I mean, let's be real. You highlighted before about how
1: Greg Hardy. It's only a three round fight. uh,
0: There you go. I mean, Greg Hardy has had a problem (laughs) with domestic violence. So obviously, he already has that stuff in his head, as bad as that sounds. Um, Jorgen, his nickname is the Mad Titan. I mean, these guys are going to be throwing punches left and right. I mean, it's going to be crazy. And like you said before, Stick, I really don't like Greg Hardy as a person. Um, I mean, I'm strictly going uh, Jorgen Castro just because I really do not like Greg Hardy as a person.
2: I think this fight is one on the ground, but not in submissions, more like ground and pound kind of uh, kind of uh, fighting style. If you get Greg Hardy on the ground, I think that's where he's going to, you know, kind of show that he's... Uh, inexperienced in what he's doing here, I think uh, Jorgen DeCastro takes this, and I think the dog is a good bet here.
0: Yeah, plus one seventy five. That's a great, that's great value. It's great value.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like Hardy's the price on Hardy is more on the hype train here. And look, I'm I'm all against, I'm I'm all for going against the hype. And like every time I play this fight ending in my head, it, and I said it in my blog, I, I just keep playing over a scenario of Greg Hardy just like salivating from the mouth, like going absolutely ballistic at de castro and he just stays composed he just kind of catches his distance with the left and just pops him at the right on the counter and hardy goes down and that's it i mean he's got the power for that if you look at this guy's biceps like you might not be able to see the whole bicep in a photo it's that big like this guy is a m- he's a monster moving on we have a featherweight bout between number seven jeremy stevens he's the dog at plus 205 versus number nine calvin catter um, at minus 250. Stevens is an experienced fighter coming in at 28 and 17, while Catter is at uh, 20 and 4. Stevens is a smaller guy. Catter um, has a plus three height advantage at 5'11 to Stevens 5'8. He's got a one inch reach advantage and an inch and a half of leg reach. Um, this is going to be an amazing fight. I'm going to flat out say it right here. Um, I would not be shocked if this wins the Fight of the Night bonus neither of these guys are afraid to throw punches They're this is going to be an all-out brawl but you look at it on the other side of it like they're they're featherweights like yes they all have they both have knockout power but they can both take it and it's, it's just going to be it has all the makings of an amazing fight and i hope it goes to distance and or or a late stoppage in round three like i hope we get to see a lot of this fight
0: yeah i agree and and, and i think uh Katarzan on is on the come up in the UFC, especially. Uh, I know you talked about how neither of these opponents are scared to throw haymakers. And, you know, I, re- I really do hope this goes the whole distance, too, because I could see, uh, you know, it going back and forth the whole entire match. Um, the only thing that, you know, really doesn't sit well with me is the, is the numbers, especially on the gambling line at plus 205 and minus 250. Um, you know I do personally like Calvin Qatar at minus 250 but minus 250 is I mean that, that that's hefty. I mean you really gotta be be confident to put money down on that That's the only thing with me on this on this one.
1: So the thing with this fight is Stevens is one he's ranked higher um, he's number seven catters number nine Not that that makes much of a difference I mean they' they're barely it's barely a wash I mean, Stevens has fought guys like Jose Aldo. He's fought Cowboy before. He's fought Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway. Like earlier in his career, um, I believe the Aldo fight was actually a little bit more recently, like probably a couple years ago, two, three years ago. 2018. 2018. Yeah. So just about. Um, he's 33 years old, um, but I just think Catter is very unproven. Like you look at the list of this the of fights that this guy has taken in his life. Um, he's new to the UFC. He he's fought in other organizations before. Um, probably has what, maybe like four or five fights in the UFC. But he has a great chin. He's never been knocked out. Um he fought Zabit, um, Magomed shapirov um, to a decision. Both of these guys actually did. They lost in a decision to him. Um I I don't know. I just like the experience with Stevens here. I, I think he's gonna be able to get a win late in his career. And and get another shot to fight another top level guy sometime soon.
2: I'm looking. I'm looking at Steven's record here. You mentioned that he fought Zabit. He fought Aldo. He fought Frankie Edgar. He fought Max Holloway. Excuse me, Holloway. He fought Cerrone. He fought Pettis. You know what the common denominator is? He lost all of them. All of them. All of them. You know when the last time he won a fight was?
1: I don't, off the top of my head.
2: February 24th, 2018. Oof. Ouch. Lost to Aldo, lost to Zabit, no contest with Yair Rodriguez, and then lost to Yair Rodriguez in the rematch.
1: Ouch. Yeah, well, the the no contest was, I think it was an early eye poke in the first round. Accidental eye gouge. Yeah, I mean, I I remember that being a little BS. I don't know. Well, then he lost, so. Yeah, but that's the thing with, with the UFC, like. You can go through all of this and it, it just makes you stronger. Like these guys are just so mentally tough and and they want to get revenge. They want to go back in there. They want to prove themselves. And I just think this is a good matchup for Stevens. Like he has great knockout power. He's the fourth fight, well, the fourth fight from the top on the main card. On a pay-per-view. Like he he's been here before. I, I just think he gets another signature win before his time is done. Um, not that this is necessarily signature, but I, I think this is a guy that he can handle. And I like him to knock him out late in the fight after a great back and forth.
2: I gotta take, I gotta take Qatar here. Yeah, I gotta take, I gotta take him too.
1: All right. Moving on. Um, Now, now the real, real good oh, dude, start. Th- this um, is, this, this is gonna be, this a is. real I, good. I think this might win fight of the night stick. I mean, the only way I can see this not winning Fight of the night, I mean, or one of the fight of the night bonuses is if we get an early knockout. And being that this is a heavyweight fight, um, we have number two Francis Nganu. Um, he's the minus two eighty favorite against number six. Um Jarzinho Rosenstrike at plus two twenty five. Oh my gosh. Say that name for me one more time. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. A little Jardino, slower biggie boy Rosenstrike. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Get used to hearing that. Yes, sir. He's good. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> he is so good. I I love the way Rosen Strike plays. Um, his last fight. fights have all come in knockouts. He's play
2: fighting. I mean, sparring. Not be a play fight.
1: They're sparring with each other. Sparring. Go ahead, six. Um, right. Yeah. No. Regardless, um, it Francis Ngannou is one of the scariest men in the sport. Um, he. Has three losses on the, at the professional level, uh, two of which to the current heavyweight champ Stipe Miosic and Derek Lewis. Nick, can you uh, enlighten us a little bit on Derek Lewis, real quick?
0: You want me to enlighten you on Derek Lewis? I don't know who Derek. Derek
1: Lewis. Who's Derek Lewis? We just spoke. We just spoke about Derek Lewis before.
0: Oh, oh, oh I know Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis's viral, uh, his little uh, spiel that he that he gave after the match, but that's just about all I can tell you about Derek Lewis.
1: So, all right, back to (laughs) Ngannou. Two of the three fights of Khan came to, um, I mean, top heavyweights like Stipe Miocic and uh, Derek Lewis, both in 2018. But since then, he's finished his last three opponents by knockout, lasting a combined, an emphasis on the combined two and a half minutes. Um, He's like when you think of heavyweight, you think of these big guys, not necessarily cut, but then you look at Nganu, and this guy is a specimen, like a John Jones type, but bigger. Um, he, he's got monster power. He's got the ability to get you on the ground, on the canvas, submit you if he has to. Um, but this isn't going to come to that. Um, but I, I don't know. But then you look at the other side with Jarzinho Rosenstrike, he's got a shorter reach. I mean, ngannou has got him by five inches and three and a half inches on the leg reach. But I I don't if he can get in close here and he can really figure out Nganu, I think he can make this a fight. I mean, he's got the power to really get him with one strike, like any heavyweight pretty much does. But Nganu can really control this by getting it to the ground and and emphasis on if he can get it to the ground because Rosenstrike is a big guy with a big base.
0: I mean, Rosenstrike comes into this fight 10 0 in his professional career. He has won four of his UFC fights by a knockout and has a total of nine knockout wins in his career. Um, you know, this, I think this match on this card, there's going to be some sort of a, you know, a randomness to this kind of fight where, you know, pretty much one punch can end it all at any time. Um, and I know you, you kind of highlighted, you know, the heavy hand of both of these, these fighters. Um, and I do think the heavy hand of Rosenstrike takes the victory here. Um, so I'm strictly going to, I mean, I, I feel confident with going Rosenstrike at plus 225. I mean, I love the value. I love the boy. And I think he's going to take it home.
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be that confident. I mean, I mean, I'm personally not that confident. I mean, if you have the confidence in it, by all means, this would be a dogger pass for me. Um, back to that, that special term. I just, I, I'm not comfortable with taking Francis and Ganu at near minus 300. Um, when you look at the guy he's opposing, I mean, like Nick said, he has the opportunity to end this fight with with one punch, um, but with, with and with two almost two times of return offered on the money. I mean, I would not hate a small value play on uh, on Rosenstrike.
0: Yeah, I, I just really do – I mean, I do see this match as a very uh, – I mean, it's going to be a lucky punch. It's going to come down to who gets that, that punch on the jaw, that punch on the temple that's going to knock Who out.
2: withstands the punches longer.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you feel comfortable in me, I mean, obviously no, – I mean, I'm not I, – I don't know if I'm going to put money on this one yet or not uh, because it is – I do think this this really could teeter one way or another. Um, but it's really going to come down to who can take the punches.
1: Exactly. All right, moving on. We have a title fight, uh, the first of two title fights on this card. Um, The last two fights of the night, we have um, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Uh, Cejudo is the champ at a minus 215 favorite, and Cruz is coming in at plus 180. Um, So this bantamweight fight is a little weird. Um, I don't understand the odds of this fight. Like, Yes, it's a little lopsided with having to lay two times your money on Cejudo just to get a return um, of one on that. Cruz is stepping in for Jose Aldo like this was this was supposed to be a Jose Aldo um title fight he hasn't fought in three years um he had plantar fasciitis um after his uh, or he's been out for three years because of that plantar fasciitis after fighting Cody Garbrandt in 2016 um yeah he lost the title um by unanimous decision which was his first loss in 10 years but I, I don't know. This is weird. He's a rusty fighter, and Sahudo is a monster. The guy is like a crackhead. Like He does not stop moving. He does not stop fighting. He comes at you. He wears you down. I, I just think with a long layoff, and, and I keep going back to it, I just think Cruz is going to be way too rusty for Cejudo here, and and it, this isn't going to even be close. This is going to be crazy. Like Cruz might be able to take it. I have Sahudo winning by a, a TKO in round three. But I think it could end a lot sooner than that. Um, The only reason I have it going around three is if if Cruz's chin can hold up, because I mean he hasn't he hasn't fought in a while, so he's he's got that advantage to him. And I mean I agree, I I think Saudo wins.
0: I mean I think Saudo wins. Cruz, I mean he's the former bannerweight title holder, um, but he's been plagued with injuries for you know years and years and years. Um, He hasn't fought since January of 2016. Um, You know it's hard to predict how Cruz is going to come out and fight this match after a three-year layoff um so it, it's really tough to be able to take my money and confidently put it on uh Dominic Cruz so it's really hard not to put my money on Cejudo here I, I mean I would I would bet Henry Cejudo How do I'm taking think?
2: Cejudo as well it's just
0: safer know. it's safe I mean that's safe money um especially after being out of, out of the league for three years it's it's tough
1: With look injury, it'd be a great club. story like Cruz has the talent to win this fight but so is just a, the buzz saw here, and and he's he's gonna get stopped pretty. Yeah. I don't put money on stories; I put money on uh on winners. There you go. Exactly. Talk talk. All right, moving on. And he talked that talk. We got the big event now. Um, to, um, the champ Tony Ferguson. Or not the is he the champ? He's not the champ. No, I don't think he's the champ. It's just Tony. Ferguson. He's not the champ. He he's the number one contender. Um, versus Justin Gaethje. Um, Ferguson's a minus one seventy eight. Um, favorite against Gaith G's uh, 150. This is a crazy main event. I'm a huge fan of Tony Ferguson. The guy is even more of a maniac than any of the people coming before him. I, I'm throwing records out the window, I'm throwing height out the window. I'm looking at the reach, both in um, arms and legs. Ferguson has over half a foot of reach and half an inch of reach on the legs. Whew. They're both capable of winning this fight. That's the thing.
0: Before you keep going, Stick, I want to mention that Ferguson is 25 and 3 in his MMA career and he has not lost in 12 fights. You have to go all the way back to 2012 to find Tony Ferguson's last loss.
1: Yeah, but the thing is then you look at Gaethje and he he's 21 and 2. The guy is is just as good. He's just like he hasn't had as many signature wins as Tony Ferguson has had. Um he's one of the most exciting people in the sport. These guys are both the UFC elite. I just think that Tony Ferguson is going to be able to stay extremely patient for the whole fight and wait Gaethje out. I would, if this ends up going to a decision, I would not be shocked if Gaethje has round one and round two in his favor, and then Ferguson gets his shots in the um, in there. He wears them down a little bit, and then from round three on, I believe he goes for the goes for the punch and and he he tries to get him. This is going to be a fantastic fight, but ultimately, I think Tony Ferguson wins that up by TKO in round four. And I'm willing to lay the price on the favorite. Go ahead, man.
2: I'm taking Gaith G here at plus
0: 150. I, I think if it goes the distance, I think Gaith the is going to win. Um, I think the only way Turg- Tony Ferguson wins this match is by knockout or by submission. Um, you know. Gaith G has a crazy amount of knockout power. He's won 18 of his 21 wins by by knockout. Um, you know, Ferguson's a little bit, a little bit more rounded by, you know, taking people down. Eight people by submission, twelve people by knockout. Um, and you know, I know, you know, Geth G kind of got thrown into this a little last minute. Um, but I do like the underdog story here. I do like the big the big lights here, and I do think Geth G performs at plus one fifty. I mean, screw it. I'm taking my money and I'm gonna throw it on Gaith G yeah i can't knock that at all
1: i mean I really can't there's do you, both of these guys have a shot to win but i
0: mean this this card i mean we, we've already talked about how how stacked this card is and i do think mm-hmm. there's, there's a whole bunch of you know matches on this card that are going to go back and forth uh, all night long it's going to be a great card and i'm i can't wait to watch it i mean i'm probably going to end up you know ordering it on whatever i have to pay-per-view it on because i can't i can't not i can't sit here and watch the TV and not put sports on it anymore i can't
1: yeah, I mean, look, G's path to win here is by knockout. But then you look at Ferguson, and he's got the chin to to withstand that. But then again, when you're talking about two of the best fighters, I mean, they can they can catch him. They can catch him. I what mean, do you guys so... think
2: the uh, fight of the night is going to be? If you had to, if you had to pick,
0: okay, go ahead, stick. You can go first.
1: I mean, it usually doesn't end up being the main event. That's the thing. Like those, they're already getting paid. So Dana White likes to give it to guys kind of on the undercard or one of the earlier um, main card fights, but like I mentioned before, I think can it go to the can can it go to the
2: prelims before before I make a pick? It can go to any fight on the card. Okay.
1: Fight of the night. Yep. Gotcha. I think it's going to be the the Stevens Catter fight. I mean, that it's going to be a brawl as long as it doesn't end early. I think that's going to be it. I think it's between the Stevens uh, the
0: Stevens Catter fight and the um, Nganu and Rosenstrike uh, Rosenstrike fight. I, I like that
2: that Predator Big Boy fight. I really do.
1: Manny, what do you got?
2: I don't know. It's tough. Like I mean, we we've talked about how stacked this this card is. Um. I think if you want to look at the name value, like if you're going to look at like if you're if you ask somebody who doesn't know like much about the UFC, and you ask them like oh like who do you think would be the best fight like on this card, they're going to say I, I think they would say Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis just because those are two names that like I feel like even if you're just flicking through and you see like on Sports Center like those guys have had like high profile fights. Obviously McGregor just beat Cerrone, um, and Pettis has been around for a while. Uh, So I feel like they can put on a really good match, like kind of countering each other, you know, experience. I think, uh, but I think uh, Yuri Hall and uh, Ronaldo Souza are going to put on an absolute killer of a fight. Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, and like I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, any fight has the potential to win a fight of the night bonus. And it doesn't have to be one. Dana White can give out as many as he wants. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, it could be any, but... Oh. (laughs) Oh.
2: So Dana White just does whatever he wants.
1: Dana White always does whatever he wants. I love Dana White. I think that guy is one of the smartest sports minds um, we've ever seen. Like the, He's taken UFC to heights that UFC has never been before, and and I don't think he's done. Like you saw, <coughs> excuse me, um, he tried to get Fight Island to happen. Right at the start of this pandemic, when all I mean, the lockdowns started to happen, that is crazy. Good for mm-hmm. him. I he mean, was like, ready to do it. He was ready to do it. He had it set, and it just got it got shut down by I believe the executives at ESPN and Disney. Um, it, it's he was ready. Full, like a the guy is, a, he gets stuff done. He's a full blown
0: mm-hmm. entrepreneur. He wants to make money and he wants to be an entertainer. Um, I give the guy a whole lot of credit. Uh, he's gone out there. He's found talent, especially with Conor McGregor. Um, you know, like you highlighted before with Fight Island, uh, he's clearly trying to get, I mean, he got this UFC card out, which is astounding considering we haven't seen any sports out except the Korean baseball league. Um, it's, it's astounding what he's done. Um, I got to give Dana White a whole lot of credit for the hard work that he's put in. Uh, and I hope it pays off for him and I think it really will. And I think a lot of people are going to buy the pay-per-view for this, this card, I think he's going to make his money off of it. And I'm, and I'm pr- I mean, mm-hmm. I can't give him enough credit for what he's doing.
2: I think these guys want to put on a good show too. I think they understand that they're, they're what people may, may not have a choice in watching if they want to see some sort of sports or people who are, you know, in a betting, you know, kind of uh, culture. Like we are That's something that they want to, you know, put on a show for Uh last question, I guess, before we wrap it up, Nick, what is your favorite, uh, your favorite nickname on this card?
0: My favorite nickname. I already I said it before, and I will say it again. It is Olesky, the boa constrictor olinic Stick. Um.
1: It's. Ooh, I don't the know.
0: The boa constrictor. Mm.
1: I I kind of like Tony Ferguson as El Kukui. I don't know what it means, but well. it's just it just fits him. Like it, it seems like it works. Like he's a monster. I'm gonna look it up. What is All El right, Kukui? It's a
2: four.
0: It's, it's also, it's a folklore, it's a mythical ghost monster, equivalent to the boogeyman.
1: Yeah, he looks like it. He looks like a, he looks like it. That That's probably why. <laughs> so, he literally totally looks like a little, a little gremlin, but he's a friggin' monster. The guy's good.
2: Man, wait, i wait for whatever think you, you
1: want. You can look however you want when you can fuck <sighs> like that guy.
2: I'm, uh, I, I want to say, I want to say Thug Nasty. Because <laughs> it's, because my, my <laughs> it's world. UFC, right? If you if you're telling if you're telling me your nickname is Thug Nasty, and you like, and you don't look like it. He does. Have you seen? It? But exactly. No. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And you don't look no, like it. Then it doesn't deserve to be your nickname. But you're in a sport where you deserve the nickname Thug Nasty. And your fight back. I mean, he's, we we talked about it earlier. Bryce Mitchell's friggin' twelve and one. His nickname is Thug Nasty. He looks like he could be called Thug Nasty. Dude, he's from uh, so Arkansas. That's...
1: It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. He's from Arkansas, <laughs> he's from Arkansas and he's got I think i pretty sure he's got a high voice. Go watch some interviews. I'm telling you.
2: <laughs> so that's up there for me, Sam smiling Alvi. It's kind of the opposite with with thug nasty if your nickname is smiling and you're in like a blood sport like like ufc where you're literally punching people and getting punched in the face like i feel like you can't be smiling but he's doing it so that's up there uh i think tops of my list uh i
1: like the dominator cruise is pretty good it's fitting it works the
2: dominator is a good one too I want to say Uriah Prime Time Hall, but like I feel like I feel like prime like Prime Time is a sick prime nickname. Time. Like oh. Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders is Prime Time. Uriah Hall isn't Prime Time. Deion oh. Sanders is Prime Time. Yeah. Um, Give me another one. Uh, it's it, just
1: so many. many. Gun, Gun many to your head. I'm, Who are you picking? Gun to your Mad head. Mad
0: Titan's good. I love Jorgen the Mad Titan Castro. Ouch, <laughs> dude. dude.
2: That's gonna hurt me. That's gonna hurt. Okay. I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking Showtime Pettis. Showtime yeah. is the best nickname on here.
0: Alright, here you go.
2: Anytime is showtime. It doesn't have to be prime time. Prime time is what? Like eight o'clock? That's when all the good shows are? Yeah, showtime is anytime. Showtime yeah. could be two in the morning. True. Good good, cool. good shout. Good shout.
0: All right. So, well, listen, I'm I'm happy we were able to talk some 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 sports actually coming
2: up relatively soon. Before we get too far from it, least favorite is Cookie
1: Monster. That's not yeah, intimidating. Not a good one. Not a good one. I don't so, know. I just I want to give want... you guys a little bit of a look oh, ahead.
0: Scary, dude. She's gonna take my, she's gonna take my chips ahoy, bro. She's gonna take my chips ahoy. I don't want. That's to
2: bad. Ahoy. She's gonna fight you for chips oh, for those chips ahoy. She's gonna kick my ass for the chips ahoy. <laughs> you think Go she ahead. prefers chewy chips ahoy or, or the regular ones?
0: No, definitely the regular ones. She likes to okay.
1: chomp. She likes to Got it. Okay. All right. Go ahead, stick. You can wrap it up. <laughs> I'm done. No, I like the cookie monster talk.
0: <laughs> um, I just
1: want to. I just want to give you guys a little bit of a look ahead of what we're what we have on the table here for the next week, because not only has Dana White managed to get one of one UFC event back, but he has three lined up and potentially more afterwards. Well, definitely more if these go well, um, barring no tragic coronavirus positive tests or something that could possibly get in the way. Um, all of these fights are going to be at that Jacksonville Arena. Um we have on Wednesday, we have a prelim card and a main card headlined by Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. Uh, you might know Anthony Smith if you're not really a familiar uh, UFC fan. Um, he, curr- he recently had a guy break into his house and he had to restrain him. Um, what?
2: So, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah,
1: he had a guy break into his house on like some crazy drugs, like guy didn't know where he was or whatever. And he, the guy, he said the guy put up a fight. Go watch the interview after this. Um, he talked to Ariel Hawani. Um, and pretty much detailed everything that happened. I think he might have talked to Joe Rogan as well. But he said that, as good of a fighter as he is as a professional fighter, this guy, whatever drugs he was on, he put up a fight. Like he had a problem restraining this guy. And he was unpredictability. Smaller than him. Yeah, it's crazy. Um drugs, So, yeah, man. we have a fight on, on Wednesday, May 13th. Uh, the prelims start at six o'clock. Um, look out for a blog for that one. I'll preview that. Um, as well as next Saturday, we have another fight also at the Jacksonville Arena. Um, a prelim card and a main card. A headline by Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris. Alistair um, Overeem still fights? Yeah, he's 45 and 18. Jeez. he got He's also like 45 years old. Fight. Yeah, he got whole, his lips. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was crazy. But anyways... Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this UFC preview. I believe it's our first UFC podcast, no?
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. This is definitely the first time we've ever talked about UFC. I mean, Stick, you put out those cards, and you've been red hot on those cards. So it's going to be yeah, nice. It's I'm going nice to to see how this works out.
1: I'm going to end up putting out my cards again. Um, I'm going to put out some parlays, my best parlay picks. Um, we're going to see what goes on here. I mean, I'm excited for sports to come back. Uh, and I'm glad it's UFC coming back first um, for our first domestic fight. Um, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm itching for some sports. I can tell you I'm going to buy this stuff. I'm going to be sitting here and watching it because I have nothing else to do
1: on Saturday. Exactly. Um, I believe it's on ESPN for the prelims and the early prelims, and then it moves to ESPN Plus um, pay-per-view afterwards. But regardless, this has been the Caps on Sports podcast um, UFC 249 preview. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Caps on Sports, uh, on Instagram at Sports. Uh, this podcast is also available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify if you guys have friends that listen to podcasts on other apps that you don't listen to. Um, but yeah, this has been it. Anybody got any closing remarks? Rate right and review. Rate right and review. Yeah, it's important. Helps us out a whole lot. Share it. Tell people. Yeah, um, give us
0: give us feedback. We want to hear what you guys think. Uh, we want to know what we can do to improve. You want to hear about something, let us know. Um, we're interactive.
1: Just Just reach out to us. So, as always, we'll leave the cap on for you.
2: Gizzer. Peace.